I know what's going on here because nobody wants to stay longer than they have to because people have things to do today, I'm assuming. Well, you have to watch football, so that's going on. But other than that, we got some family time. I'll let you go on time. And then Sal will flag me down in the back. He's our sound guy in the back there, and he's very talkative. If you get a chance to meet Sal, meet Sal. All right, so this is the first slide. So who are these guys, right? Who are these guys? That's me and my beautiful wife. Uh, that's Julie, and she'll be down having fun uh, with the kids when there's a lot more kids. So uh, who are these guys? So our story is um, it kind of starts back. Uh, for me personally, I would say all the way back to, let's see, nine years old in the basement of a, uh, a somebody's a God church, and I'm not going to take a year by year through this thing, so I'm 30 years old, and that's going to take forever. But um, I would say uh, at nine years old in the basement of somebody's a God church, and, you know, they, they uh, we were going through a prayer of salvation and what it meant to follow Jesus and what heaven and hell looked like, and uh, for whatever reason, I had a strong urge that uh, I understood kind of the message, and hell does not sound like a place that I really wanted to go to, and so uh, I made that commitment there in the basement. And then uh, ever since then, um, till now, and I'm sure it's been with me for the rest of my life, I've always had uh, strong convictions. I've always just regularly um, thought about the Bible, really thought about what's right and wrong, uh, had, I think, stronger than normal convictions, um, and a desire to learn, like, kind of what's in this book, what's in the Bible, and uh, that's kind of a rare thing. Like, that's not, it's not very common. And so um, that kind of shaped and mapped my life, and there's a lot of uh, other circumstances and events that, that sort, sort of helped with that um, to kind of bring us where we are now. And I met uh, my wife, Julia, when uh, we were in college, and uh, kind of a quick story about that is that you know, my friend in the back there, uh, Sal, that I mentioned before, you know, um, he kind of liked her, but um, it didn't work out for him. So, uh, <laughs> so it worked out for me. But he is a, uh, he's a faithful friend, and it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty radical story of how uh, what's really important comes into play, and you really find out who your friends are and who really cares about you. And so uh, it's a great um, story around that. Um, and like I said, we met in college, and you know, I, I told uh, Julia when we met that uh, I had this passion. I had this desire to just want to tell people about Jesus Christ and um, how I think it's the most important thing in the world, how I think people need to see it, and how when I'm talking about him and when I see the changes that he can make in people's lives, I just think that there's nothing more exciting. There's just nothing more exciting. I mean, I like being a coach, and that, that sort of plays into it a little bit. Um, but when you, you see God just transform hearts and transform lives, I think I can think of no better thing. So, and we've had this conversation a lot while we're uh, dating and we're kind of close to the engagement mark and trying to share that stuff with her. And I think around, um, Valentine's day of, um, of 2004, uh, we just got back, I think from a retreat, uh, where we're kind of away with, uh, you know, some other Christian people and there was music and, um, uh, messages, and it was just a great weekend. And then we came back, and then, you know, sure enough, as soon as you come back, there's tons of drama as soon as you come back. And so we kind of had to deal with that. And it was a little bit stressful, uh, but me and Julie had a sit-down talk. And for whatever reason, that talk uh, was kind of different than other talks to where uh, I think she, it finally clicked, like, when I look at her, that, Julie, I, th- I think, like, 
my life is going to be headed in this direction um, pretty seriously. And I think things like this might actually happen quite a bit. And for whatever reason, I just saw her look at me, and she's like, I think it clicked to where this is what you've been talking about the whole time, you know? And I was like, I don't know if you really want to sign up for that because I, I'm really going to go after that thing because I'm a pretty focused guy, and I think that's what I'm supposed to do. And so, you know, I'm going to go that way. And, uh, you know, she was there, and she goes, uh, she looked at me, and she goes, well, okay, let's do it. So, uh, so I, I proposed to her not too long after that, and, you know, she's younger than me, and I tried to take advantage of that because she didn't know any better. So, so I snagged her up, and um, we got married uh, a little over five years ago, and uh, marriage has, uh, you know, taught us a ton about God, his grace, his loveness, his loveness, his love, um, how to be selfless, and um, it's been a true blessing. And so, I would say about almost two years ago, we've had a group of people getting together, uh, praying about this very day. So praying about right now, 10, 10, 10, at 10 o'clock, right? That's a lot of 10s. Wow. So we had people, yeah, almost two years ago, getting together, praying about this morning and how it would come together and what would happen. And um, I don't know, maybe God thinks it's funny to make things more difficult because there was more difficult things that happened today. But uh it's amazing that kind of the things that have come together behind the scene, and there's a, even more of a story there, which is also probably for um, another day. But uh, we were praying for that, and we did, really didn't know what would happen. Um, and so it's, it's really in response to a call. And so I shared kind of a little bit before about how it was a passion that I just want to tell people about Jesus Christ. I want to, um, I just want to see the power of God in their lives and just see what happens. Um, I don't know. Uh, our experience has been that we don't really see a whole lot of it. Um, and so we can go back to the other ones out for a minute. Um, so Jeremiah 20, 7 through 9, if you haven't turned there already, you could turn there. I think in the blue Bibles, it's page uh, 551. If you have the white one there, I'm not sure what page that one is. So maybe if somebody flips there in the white, you could tell me. But it doesn't look like anybody has a white one. So I guess we're okay. Um, So in Jeremiah chapter 20, let's see, we start in verse 7. And so the reason why I put this verse up there with our picture um, is because uh, it kind of summarizes a little bit kind of the way I feel. I used that word calling before. It's not a word that's really used a lot, uh, but the word calling um, is kind of what, you know, someone who believes in God, when your decision-making process is going, you, you more think of it as a calling, like God is actually involved in it, and so you kind of use that word. Um, but in verse 7, it says, O Lord, you deceived me, and I was deceived. You, over, you overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and repro- reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. So for Jeremiah, a little bit similar to myself, like he was kind of uh, either way, he he had to do something. Like at this point early in the the verse there was just he's getting ridiculed all day long. People are mocking him um, because of what he was saying. And then when he wouldn't say it, he just had this fire inside of him that was just burning that like he could not shut off. Like he just couldn't shut off. He couldn't get rid of it. And so he's just stuck in this place of like, you know, what do I do? What do I do? And so uh, 
I'm similarly stuck in that place where it's just like, man, I, got, I feel like I um, have something to say, something to offer. Um, I feel like God has called me to take a step of faith out and do that. Uh, and a lot of people would probably say, um, oh, there's really no money involved in that. There's really no rewards in that and that you can actually get. I mean, um, you're not doing it for accolades or anything like that because we're not. And so uh, really, what's the motivation? Well, the motivation is just that thing that's just burning within you, and you just have to go out there and just do it and see if God shows up on the other end. And so that just briefly kind of summarizes um, our calling a little bit. Uh, and that verse in Jeremiah, kind of the way he feels, it's just, uh, you know, in our bones as well. And um, to the next slide there. So what do we got for the next one there? So church without religion. So maybe you have seen around the town we have... Um, very politely placed on cars, uh, flyers that say Church of Our Religion. They have our date. They have our website. Uh, so and people can come and get us. We're not going to hide. There's pictures of us on there. I think my wife put a picture of the dog on the website. But um, Church Without Religion, we put that slogan up there as like our theme. Um, mainly, number one, for shock value. For shock value. Just to get people's attention. Just to see what they would think. Uh, and just get them questioning, just kind of looking at it, like, what is this about? And I think that happened quite a bit, actually, when we passed the cards around. Um, and um, they also uh, printed that in the paper, and I think uh, that caused uh, some attention, too, because some people asked about that. But church without religion, what do we really mean by that? Um, our experience uh, has been kind of in New England, and I'm not saying it's everybody's experience, but at least has been ours, that our experience has been uh, as long as people kind of show up on Sunday mornings, they kind of do the good deeds um, and do the works that they think that they should do, that that in some way uh, has made you pleasing before God. And if you kind of read through the whole Bible, uh, that's not really the way it goes. You know, the Bible is filled with people that are completely sold out, 110%, where God is involved in every detail of their life. Every detail of their life, you know, the car that they buy, the person that they date, um, the job that they choose, everything. He's intimately involved in every aspect. And we consider that to be a relationship. Um, and it is important to come to church and do good deeds and help people out and help out at soup kitchens and, um, you know, be missionaries, go overseas, um, help people. That is definitely important. But God says at the end of the day, that's not going to ultimately make you pleasing before him. And that's not going to ultimately justify you of sin, you know, which we'll talk about more in a little bit. Um, so our focus is on relationship. And, you know, I put that verse up there. I don't know if you can really see it. It says James 127. It says that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans, widows, and their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So... Let me just make sure that we're clear that I'm definitely not against that. Like, I'm not saying we're like a church and, like, we're not going to uh, help widows and we're not going to look after orphans and, like, that's all bad stuff. That's not what I'm saying. Um, what I am saying is that uh, we're going to try to be a church where we focus on the relationship and where hopefully it's a group of people that have a strong relationship with God. And that's what fuels their actions at church and why they go and why they do what they do. That is the main thing. And so um, church without religion uh, was just one that was kind of uh, catchy. It stuck, and I think it had 
brought a little bit more meaning to the um, to the relationship uh, aspect. And uh, as I think about that, just a quick story. Um, I'm reading this book right now, and guy uh, John Edwards, so Jonathan Edwards. He grew up uh, born in East Windsor, Connecticut, and then spent some time in Mass. And he kind of had a similar problem. Uh, this was back in the 1700s. I think he was born in like 1703, okay? But he had a similar problem. So the problem he was dealing with was similar to this, and they had this thing uh, at the time called a halfway covenant. Called a halfway covenant. And what happened is that Basically, his father-in-law was a pastor up in uh, Massachusetts. And um, he ended up passing away. He was around for a long time, and he was kind of the leader in the community. And he ended up passing away, and what happened is that John Edwards eventually took over the church. And so in the church, Jonathan uh, Edwards noticed that the congregation um, was compromised of people that were, quote-unquote, unsaved or, like, uncommitted or didn't make a profession of faith. And the deal was with this halfway covenant was that they could come to the church um, because they were baptized when they were infants, uh, but they couldn't take communion. And, uh, well, they could give, believe that or not. They would still take their money, okay? Um, but they uh, could not take communion, and uh, they couldn't partake uh, as far as voting within the church. So it was like a halfway covenant. So it was just enough to get them in the door and get them to stay, but it wasn't really, you know, committed members. And, in fact, um, the church prior to when Jonathan Edwards took over, um, the pastor that was there before uh, Stoddard, he would say, uh, in fact, I'll take everybody. They can take communion. Um, they can really partake. And we all can be really a body together and not really separate, you know, who's committed and, and who's really not. And so what happens is now you got a whole church and a whole body filled with people that are sort of... Uh, mediocre and on the fence and just really show up for Sunday and do stuff on Sunday, and that's about it. And so Jonathan's really battled with this. I mean, it was his own father-in-law. was in the family. And so eventually, to make a long story short, he, uh, you know, he changed it, and he was very unpopular. What he did is he said, no, we're not going to give, you know, communion to everybody. Not everybody can vote. Um, if you're going to be a member, certain things have to uh, be done and are required. And what happens is they ended up uh, kicking him out of the church. Um, but during that process, you just wrote a, a, a famous sermon, uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And so his life is just, um, he didn't live very long, I think 55 years, so it wasn't that old. Um, but his life here in Connecticut, he just battled the same thing of just like complacency, like within religion to where uh, God was a thing that, you know, you did on Sunday, but you never brought it home. You know, God was a thing you did on Sunday, but didn't bring it home. And so, at least in our experience, that's what we have noticed a lot of, too. And so, um, what we're trying to do is bring more of the relationship aspect, bring more of the relationship. Um, and so, what we're going to do is, uh, this church is called Calvary Chapel. Is that one on the next one, Sal? Oh, yeah, we can look at our driving verse where I talk about why it's a Calvary. Um, it says Isaiah twenty nine thirteen. So, this is kind of our driving verse, I'd say, like, two summers ago, I was just sitting in my room just praying and praying about this whole process and, you know, how it all looks and what God wants to do and all that kind of stuff. And I happened to just to uh, be reading through the book of Isaiah. Um, and it says that the Lord says that these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. 
I just, I don't know, as I read that, I just thought a lot of my friends. You know, they just give a lot of lip service um, to God, um, but their hearts are just, like, detached. You know, and I was just like, man, I just, I don't know, my heart just uh, kind of aches and breaks when I read a verse like that, and I'm just like, man, you know, just the lip service just doesn't get it done. It's such a superficial, like, faux kind of relationship, and it's just, it's not what it's about at all, you know, and... um if we could maybe help, you know, and also bring a church that can really push the heart issue, you know, the heart, as far as getting God involved and um, keeping him there and keeping him a priority. Um, who knows what could happen? You know, who knows what could happen? Um, so that's kind of our, our, uh, our driving verse. Um, but let's uh, talk about Calvary Chapel. So our, our, um, our driving verse is kind of tied into that a little bit. So Calvary Chapel sounds like a boring name. really doesn't sound that exciting. There's a lot of them around. The, word, the name Calvary has been used quite a bit. Um, so I was flying around back there. So Calvary Chapel sounds like a boring name. Um, it's not that boring if you kind of go back into the history just a little bit. And I'm not going to bore you with too much history. Uh, but the word Calvary is actually pretty exciting um, and actually uh, pretty dramatic. Um, Calvary... Uh, is a Latin word for uh, Golgotha, which means place of the skull, and that's uh, where Jesus was crucified. It's actually on that hill, right? And that hill was called Calvary. Um, and the reason why it's called place of the skull is that's where they did all the executions. So all the robbers and the criminals and everybody, they would take them out on that hill and they crucify them. That's where they would uh, execute their just execute, um, you know, and carry out the justice. And so Calvary just has a, a huge meaning, you know. I mean, that's the hill uh, where Christ was, and um, you know, that's where uh, our Savior is hung for us. And so um, that's not the only reason why we chose it. Um, Calvary Chapel is actually, believe it or not, it's a, it's a group of churches. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have like a home church, which is kind of a weird thing because pretty much everything has like a home church. Like, um, you know, Roman Catholics, you know, have the Pope and he's the head guy and he's there. Um, you know, uh, other uh, religions, uh, say Jehovah's Witness and Mormons, they have home churches and they have things that people tell them what they can and they can't do. Um, Calvary Chapel is a little bit different to where uh, there is a guy who started it way back when in the 60s, um, but his desire was to teach the whole Bible and focus on God's grace. And his opinion is um, each pastor can, can kind of individually do that in their church how they want to do it. It doesn't necessarily have to look a certain way. Um, and they don't have to necessarily uh, do certain things as long as, like, the meat and potatoes stays there. As long as the core essentials stay the core essentials, you know, we're okay with that. And so Calvary Chapel focuses on teaching through the whole Bible, and that's what we want to do here. We want to teach through the whole Bible. Uh, my dream, my personal dream is just to be able to say, stand here eventually one day and say, you know what? We brought the whole Bible to the entire community here in the valley and into Naugatuck. Um, let's do it again. You know, I want to be able to say that. Um, Tozer said it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, Got to know God's whole character and the whole story in context. It's pretty easy to kind of pick and poke around what you like and what you don't like. But I think you take the Bible as a whole, uh, it's going to mean a lot more. You'll learn a whole lot more. Um, and then on God's grace... You know, our focus here is going to be more on what God has done for us and then responding to that love and not necessarily just focusing on 
what can I do to make God happy today? Because that's not necessarily the way it goes, because he loves all of us, and that's the way it is. He just does, and he can't do anything to make him love you more or make him love you, love you less. Um, but we want to sit and enjoy that love and actually try and understand it, because it's just, it's amazing, it's incredible, and it doesn't make all that much sense. And so uh, those are a couple of things that we're going to try and focus on here uh, as a Calvary Chapel. Um, so what do we have on the next one there? So the church, feeling guilty and taking money. And so uh, I want to just talk a little bit just about the church. This is kind of our background, kind of where we're coming from and where we're approaching this whole thing. Um, we're approaching this whole thing kind of like I said before to where we feel like uh, as a husband and wife uh, couple and with a bunch of other people on the team, we just feel like it's a response so what God might have us to do here, to come out here, preach the word, love people, and then just see what happens outside of that with really nothing guaranteed. And that's what we're all about. Um, and so as far as us being a church, you know, what should that look like? Um, what has it looked like maybe up to this point? Uh, what's the good? What's the bad? What's the ugly? And I put feeling guilty and taking money. Just because, I don't know, it just seems... To me, like around most of my friends, that's just most things, that's just the way they think about it. Feeling guilty and taking money. Uh, I was listening to Bill Maher the other day. I don't know if you know who Bill Maher is, um, but he was um, on the radio, and he's a you know, super uh, anti-church at all in any way. And he was talking about this mosque thing um, going on in, uh, in New York City. And uh, his position was, he goes, you know, I don't want a mosque there. I don't want a church there. I don't want anything there. He said, I just don't. I don't believe in church. He said it's just a place where it fleeces people, it takes advantage of them, uh, it makes them feel guilty. And so, um, I don't know, and God has tend to put me around some people who have the same views as that. And there has certainly been uh, a lot of mistakes for sure uh, through the years, and there also still be with churches. Because uh, the way God chose to do it is he chose to use regular people like us in church, and we're definitely going to make mistakes that's kind of the problem with church is that we're involved in the process. So um, feeling guilty and taking money, I think that's a somewhat common perspective. And just because maybe that has happened um, does not mean that's the way that it should be. You know, just because it has happened doesn't mean that's the way that it should be. Um, and unfortunately, even now, more so these days, there's also uh, a lot more pain involved. You know, there's people who... Um, pastors have taken advantage of trust relationships um, and have had total moral failures, um, you know, with kids, with other members in the congregation, and it's a bad, sad process, and it's 2010, and that stuff hits the internet, and it goes global and viral quickly. Um, all of the issues with the Catholic priests, I mean, things are rough now, and it's not really looking all that promising, all that exciting. So when life gets tough, or it's a Sunday morning, uh, church is just not really that essential of an item. It's just not that essential. Um, because a lot of what maybe they people hear or see, uh, it doesn't look to be that promising. And it doesn't really look to be uh, uh, like something they need in their life. And so um, I have a little video clip on here that uh, we'll show real quick that kind of gives at least a different spin on church and Maybe it's been, uh, um, I at least have had some experiences that are similar to that. 
and we'll see if we can um, bring it up here. The technology stuff has been kind of goofy today. It's the second one, Sal. And the background. One of the background. There we go. So this guy's pretty fun. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the on. first time when I started going to church. And I walk in, and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like. I remember, going to, I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I walk in, and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I walk in, and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know if you want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right, then they explained to me, right, your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't know. I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what to, I don't know what to pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good. and She must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. <laughs> She was like, dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, but seek, S is a search, E is in everywhere, E is in excellent, K is in kingdom. <laughs> Look at Alpha, Nisi, Jehovah, Jireh, Jehovah, Rapha, I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. Now it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to this, but I'm not going to let her out pray me. So I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord. You are good. You are good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosy moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, you know, as the, as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I could fly, amen. So that's kind of some fun uh, with church and some of the uh, fun dynamics that can happen within church services as far as, uh, you know, in that particular one, praying with people and feeling kind of goofy about stuff. Um, being new to the process. Uh, but our view, uh, I think it summarized pretty good. I mean, you know a little bit already, just kind of the way we're looking at church and because we're at Calvary Chapel. Um, but we have a pretty uh, good quote here. Maybe that one will come up. I don't know. Things have been being goofy. Uh, but this quote is from a woman who, um, she's the wife of a pastor down south. Uh, and it says, church isn't where you meet. Church isn't a building. Church is what you do. Church is who you are. Church is the human outworking of the person of Jesus Christ. Let's not go to church. Let's be the church. Right? And I think that's a pretty solid quote. Um, 
It's not where you meet. It's not this building. It's not exactly what we do, right? It's who you are. It's the human outworking of the person of Jesus. And actually being the church, right, to other people, serving them, loving them, taking care of them the best that you can. Um, and that's kind of our uh, perspective um, on church. And so um, if we can talk a little bit about, uh, I think now you can go to that next one. So there we go. So this is kind of what we're thinking of, uh, now we're thinking of, but what we are uh, going to try and incorporate as far as church and how to think about church and what you should think about church. And we're going to get a lot more into this. Um, today is just kind of an overview of kind of where we're coming from and uh, how all the stuff is going to play together. And we'll see if it's biblical or not and uh, if we can say half of this stuff. Uh, we'll get into that more as we kind of study through the whole Bible. But should have got to have God at the center. Got to have God at the center of this thing right away. And... Um, all these ones on the outside, right, family, hospital, seminary, army, right? And I'll just give a kind of a quick rundown of kind of what I mean by that stuff. Uh, God at the center, for sure. And by God at the center, I mean having the Bible, right? We believe that the Bible is uh, inherently the Word of God, and we know it's been around a long time, but we have the faith that God preserved it exactly the way that he wanted, and there was a lot of people involved in the process, but we still believe that God was able to be God and keep it the way that he wanted. And so that's what we believe by keeping him at the center there and keeping the fact that uh, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Um, and the only way to get to heaven is through him. And so that, that's the core essentials. That's where we're at in the middle. So at the top part, family. So all these aspects, we believe, should be uh, all together encapsulated in church. They should all be happening and functioning within church. So here... Our desire and our hope is that we become a close, tight-knit family, okay? I believe that's one of the signs of a, certainly a healthy church is a tight-knit family. Now, one of the things about family is that it can get dramatic, okay? You can think about any holiday that happens within your family, the in-laws, the uh, cousins, uh, anybody that's involved, there's always drama that can happen, and it can get messy, uh, and people can get mad, and people get offended, and shoot, that's definitely going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. Not intentionally, but just for the fact that that we're people, and sometimes we're insensitive and not patient, okay, that's going to happen. Um, on the other end of that, um, we want to make this to be a comfortable, open environment where people can feel comfortable. So when they need healing, and they need to be around people that can bring them up and give them a better outlook on life, hopefully they can come to their family, right, on Sunday morning, and they can be around their family during the week and getting those phone calls to help them out, okay? So family being an integral part, um, we'll kind of go around this way. A hospital, right? Like we said, it can get messy, okay? And people are going to need uh, to have healing, right? To get prayed for, um, to get phone calls, right? Um, the things that, that are just so prevalent today uh, between, geez, just addictions and, and loneliness and depression, um, failed marriages, just all these things, just attacking the family and at the root attacking people um, and their hearts, uh, you need a hospital. Um, and that's what we're hoping to bring. And not just a hospital where it's just a bunch of people being nice to each other. Hopefully, it's a hospital to where God is involved and actually the Holy Spirit comes in and actually is involved in that process and it takes it to a whole new level. Um, seminary, 
Uh, hopefully, it's a little bit of a seminary. Hopefully, right? We're going to go through the whole Bible. We're going to learn about all those books that, like, you don't read. Um, probably normally, like Obadiah and Amos, and we're going to go through all that. And how does that tie into the story? We're going to look at prophets and prophecies. Um, and the reason for that is to gain knowledge of what's actually going on. And not knowledge for knowledge's sake, because that's just going to puff you up and make you arrogant and probably uh, think you're better than what you are. Okay? But at the end of the day, we're going to try and combine that with love and really build some things up. Uh, and get smart about what's in here. Because uh, Jesus said, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so we're trying to put that mind part into it and worship him with that. Uh, and as far as an army, you know, we believe that there definitely is a battle going on. The um, Bible says that uh, we war not just against flesh and blood, you know, but powers and principalities. And we believe that um, absolutely happens. And so uh, we need to be geared up and ready to go. We need to have each other's back and leave no casualties. Um, and arm ourselves with the right kinds of armor and be aggressive when we need to be aggressive and then lean on him when we need to lean on him. And so um, those are kind of the four things which I just talked about very briefly. We'll get into a lot more detail of what that looks like and how all of that goes. Um, but those are things we're trying to encapsulate here at Calvary Chapel, Nogtuck. Like those are the goals. That's what we're trying to look like. Those are the... Um, things that we're going to try and offer, okay? Um, on your, well, I'll get to the connection card in a minute. Let's just say a quick prayer, and then I'll, uh, I'll kind of walk you, walk you through this connection card one more time, and then uh, please, uh, you know, come in the back and join us for some refreshments. Um, God, I thank you um, for bringing us here this morning. Um, we pray, Lord, that you help us uh, just think about church a little bit more, Lord, and help us to realize that um, it's not really just a suggestion, Lord, to come and, and show up and be around other people, Lord. Um, you actually want us to do it, God. Uh, it says in your word, Lord, to not forsake it and make sure that you do it. And so help us to do it, Father, but uh, help us to think about, Lord, not doing things just for the sake of doing things, God, but um, actually trying to listen to your voice and where you're trying to tell us, God. Um, to try and align ourselves uh, and focus on our hearts, God, because that's what's really important, Father. So help us to uh, keep that in perspective and keep that at the front of our minds, Lord. So we thank you for this morning, Lord, and pray that um, people would get home safely. So in Jesus' name, amen. Um, let me just real quickly on these connection cards here. So just again, on the front, you can fill out your info. Um, on the back, check off, circle, whatever you want there. Um, and then you can just leave it in the box in the back there. We're going to have refreshments back there. And um, thank you again for coming. So we queue up a song here. You're free to go. Yeah.